This is Green Blood FM session number 12. My name is Christoph Dahn and I'm your host again for this episode. Today we speak to Andrea Kolb from Berlin-based brand Arbery. Andrea came to start her brand by chance. In 2008, she went to Marrakesh to renovate an old house in the Medina. While working with Moroccan craftsmen, she found that these men and women passionately and skillfully tinkered blue suit and embroidered their way into magic handicraft items. Sadly though, some of these skills were vanishing as the taste for fast consumerism grew in Morocco. Andrea realized that these cultural games could be revived if explored in a new way by infusing the old world appeal of handicrafts with a brand new 21st century spirit. Good morning, Andrea. Nice to meet you. Good morning, Christoph. Nice to meet you too. So, Andrea, you're, you're in Berlin at the moment? Yes. Your, your, your company is based in Berlin? Yes. Okay. Uh, Andrea, you're the founder of Arbery, and uh, I think it's the best in the beginning to tell some short words what Arbery is and uh, how, how you started and uh, how it all began. <laughs> This is already many questions in one. <laughs> But I start, like, what is Arbery doing? Um, Avery is a, a, a platform that brings together young international designers and traditional craft communities. And our goal is to create a new luxury style that fosters intercultural exchange and preserves world crafts. Mm -hmm. And how it all began is when I came to Marrakesh 2008 actually to um, renovate a Riyadh. And I saw... I was living with the people and, and I saw their skills, but at the same time, their struggles um, that, that traditional crafts are getting lost, that are fighting against imports from China um, so that the, the prices are going down. And I thought, yeah, I wanted to do something. Which skills did you, did you see there? Well, at the beginning, to be honest, it was a lot of wood and metal work because mm -hmm. this is what we were looking into for for the renovation of the house mm -hmm. but then i got intrigued by um traditional leather embroidery mm -hmm. and 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 the traditional shukara bags which is actually a men's bag mm -hmm. yeah and and then you saw that and 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 your mind started uh Twisting and, and you were thinking about a brand or, or when did you start thinking about uh, starting your own brand or platform? Yeah, to be honest, this is a this was um, a thinking process process of years. So at the beginning, I only started collecting the old bags and collecting stories about them, and I took them back to Germany and here my friends were like, wow, this is really cool. Can you bring me one too? And so I was like, okay, it seems like there is a market mm -hmm. and these people, they're only disconnected. They're disconnected from the international markets. They're disconnected from our design developments and they're disconnected from what a luxury customer would expect in terms of quality. 
Mm-hmm. So there, there is only missing an intermediate. This mm-hmm. is how I felt. Okay, and and then you started. So could you describe a bit like the steps of this year, of of this idea development? So yeah, but, but because I guess it was not easy, and and there were some 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 problems and 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 yeah, and issues in between. Yeah, well, especially here where. There is also a lot of intercultural um, kind of misunderstandings or there are different codes that you first have to um, understand so that you kind of enter into their sphere and really connect. And that actually took a long time also for me to yeah, un- understand how they tick. And, but then... Um, yeah, it was first setting up everything there so that I can be sure that we can produce. Then it was making connections here in our world regarding design, um, brand, um, and all these kind of things. Mm-hmm. And then I just started, to be honest. Yeah, and what's your background? So you ever developed a brand before? Uh, well, I, I studied economics, mm-hmm. so there there was a background in um, business administration and stuff like this. And I I was running my own agency for ten years before. Mm-hmm. So yes, I had some experience in creating uh, a brand and and so on. But it's still different to create a brand than an agency brand. Mm-hmm. So, so, but you have no formal fashion education. So, you you didn't went to a fashion school. And how, how did you learn? How did you learn the technical details about creating luxury items? Well, the, to be honest, entering the fashion market here that was actually really funny because um, with the first collection, I went to the um, premium, the fashion fair, mm-hmm. and I had to stand there. And I just thought, okay, here I have a small catalog and there is my products and now buyers come and take it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It was obviously not that easy. And when the first one came who was interested, they were asking me for my line sheet. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, I had never heard of a line sheet. Maybe (laughs) this is also naive, but I was never in the fashion business before. So I was telling them, yeah, well... I bring it tomorrow and I was going to the to stand next to me. I'm like, okay, hey guys, what is a line sheet? <laughs> and so, so yeah, it was kind of learning by doing in some things. But obviously then I started to um, sit together with some people from inside the fashion scene and try to um, learn what, well, the basics. Yeah, it sounds like you had a puzzle in front of you, like a, yes. one puzzle where the artisans, like, uh, I guess language is also an issue. And, and, or, yeah, it's not, not so easy to communicate in this way. And then there's a unique language of, of the fashion uh, insiders. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I don't know which one is more difficult. Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. Uh, how difficult you found it to develop uh, the initial product? Um, to be honest, the initial product for me was very clear. Uh, mm-hmm. I really wanted to do um, a handmade iPad bag because I thought the antipode of 
using an old dying traditional craft to protect our modern gadget mm-hmm. um, was a really nice story. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so this is how how we actually started um, right off. Mm-hmm. Also, learning then that going with a traditional craft into tech covers, which change sizes every three months, is mm-hmm. not very clever. <laughs> yeah. Okay. This this is something I I learned then, but still from the beginning, like starting, that was that was the idea. Mm-hmm. Okay. So so I came uh, about your brand when I did a, a a random web search, and what I like so much about it is uh, you started on a quite common way, like many young entrepreneurs, they 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 are traveling or, or a lot of a lot of people I speak with are traveling and they find something amazing during their travels with artisans or, or a unique item. And then uh, the business idea starts to grow. But what I liked so much about Arbery was that you didn't start uh, stop there. You also developed a unique yeah, distribution model. You, you added designers and you have a design uh, uh, like what's called like like you try to find the best designers yeah. and and link them with the artisans yeah. and I, I find this quite unique because it's 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 like a business model that goes beyond like uh, oh uh, we need to bring these artisans a little bit of of work and and I find this really interesting so how how you you came to develop this idea yeah well um I, I think it's a great thing to start to be to to bring artisanal stuff here, but I think it's not enough. We have to help them to or support them or work with them on the way to to also understand our our world. And and so I thought if we just if we just buy what they have, they will always be on the same level. And what what I would like to do is kind of use their skills, but bring it to the next level. Mm-hmm. Um, and because they're really very much into their traditional designs, traditional colors, traditional um, patterns, mm-hmm. which is all good. And which is beautiful, but still, what happened, for example, in in Marrakesh, is that a lot of the things that they usually did on a, in the traditional way, they are imported from China or Bangladesh in a, on a very cheap basis, so that they don't, they actually cannot earn their living with their traditional skills anymore so, so is, is it right a lot of things i can buy at the at the in, in marrakesh on the souks is is, is made in in china yeah yeah but it looks authentic or it looks yeah. like like okay i yeah. didn't know that yeah and um so and then also the young generation doesn't learn it anymore because they see that their their parents they're working very hard every day with their hands and they earn the same money as the children who carry the luggage of the tourists, mm-hmm. more or less, you know? So, so I thought it would be really cool to make this old craft fashionable again. Mm-hmm. And how to make it fashionable? 
using the young design talent from all over the world. Mm-hmm. There are so many designers who who graduate, who have fantastic skills and also don't know how to enter the fashion market. Alone in Berlin, we have 5,000 registered um, fashion labels. Obviously, you only know 50, maybe. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> so, so you can imagine how difficult it is for young designers to actually put a foot um, into the fashion market as well and to put a collection out. Mm. So, and and my um, when when I had my agency, the claim was always transformation through experience. Mm-hmm. And I think we, as a human species, we kind of need an experience to transform our thinking. Mm-hmm. At least in in, in a lot of things. Mm -hmm. So giving these young designers the experience to actually live and work in another foreign country and giving the artisans the experience to to spend some time with this designer. Mm -hmm. This is where I hope that the magic happens. (laughs) And and, and how many designers you, you brought together with the artisans until now? Six. Six. Okay. And what was the experience like? So, what what were the, yeah, the the, what did you learn after the um, six? The, it's always, um, between wow, this is really the greatest experience in my life, and at the same time the toughest mm-hmm. I've ever had. Um, this is kind of what everybody is saying. They they love it. But they also they also struggle, obviously, because it's it's two different approaches of way of living, way of working, and you really have to kind of find your way together. Mm. And, um, and how is it for the artisans? Um, I think it's kind of the same. It's a bit easier because they are um, they are still in their traditional environment, so. The, the, the designer is going to them mm-hmm. but still also they feel that we, we we want to push them to the next step and they are also in the beginning they are always kind of afraid because they heard a lot of story or, or maybe even experienced themselves that they have been exploited um, or that people came and they promised something and they never came back mm-hmm. so um, many artisans or rural communities they're actually in the first place very kind of yeah okay we can do that but they're not too enthusiastic mm-hmm. and until they really see that things are happening yeah yeah that, that brings me to an interesting question like the the fashion market is moving very fast so one season they love one item and the next season they don't care at all about it so there's not a lot of uh uh, that, that a lot of yeah, fashion is moving always. While if you develop a, a project in a in a artisan community, uh, it's very difficult. If one season you have like big orders of of hundreds of of articles or thousands, and the next seasons uh, it it starts to disappear, and uh, you've built up the knowledge and 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 the craftsmanship. How, how you how you handle this 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 attention so we keep working with the same artisans for at least five years mm-hmm. 
and we send a new designer every year. So the we we keep the best sellers, but we exchange the ones that we don't sell so much, and the new designer designs a new collection. Ah, okay. So, so this is kind of how we renew ourselves, but still, this is one collection per year per culture. Okay, that's interesting. So they also the artisans have to develop something new every 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 year. They have yeah. to stretch their their knowledge, also, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, okay, wow. And and um, but also, I feel that. We don't really belong to the normal fashion business mm. where we are a fashion brand, but still um, what I have learned is that because we're not H&M and when we have a new product, it's not that all the world knows it tomorrow and buys it the day after. Mm. It needs a long time until we have reached a certain awareness so some products that we started two years ago, they're actually selling now. Mm. So um, it's, it's not that it's that fast in, in our world. The same, and also in accessories, we, we only focus on accessories. Yeah. Um, it's also a little bit different. There are more timeless accessories. Yeah, yeah. Than, yeah. And what are your channels? So you're selling via your e-commerce and yeah. uh, you also sell to the whole, to wholesale businesses? Yeah. We sell through our own website. We sell through our own store in Berlin. Okay. In Kastanien Alley 42. Okay. <laughs> so for all listeners, if you're in Berlin, visit the Arbery shop in Kastanien Alley. It's a nice uh, neighborhood there. Yeah. And then um, we ob obviously sell also through other retailers. Mm -hmm. And what, what are your plans? What, what, is, what, what, what do you plan for the next seasons? You want to grow, especially in e-commerce, or you want to get more, more wholesale customers? What, are your, yeah, what is your strategy for the future? Well, um, we definitely focus on um, e-commerce. Mm -hmm. um, having said that, We also will focus on strategic retail stores because they're very important for, um, well, first of all, also for image, but then also to have this touch point because our products are very emotional as well. And it, it's really nice to have points where you can send people that they can feel them. Mm -hmm. So um, we will also like see that we we find some strategic places um, mm -hmm. where we can sell. Strategic means uh, you look for a certain kind of shop. So, yeah. And is it like there, there are a lot of like eco concept stores now all over Germany, but on the other hand, you have a luxury product. So, so what is your, your strategic wholesale partner look, 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 looks like? Oh, my English. <laughs> <laughs> um, we... We actually don't consider ourselves too much as being the eco brand, yeah. although we, we kind of are. But we want to show that it's cool and fashionable to care for everyone. Mm -hmm. And that means we, we want to be in a normal fashion store as well as maybe as well in eco concept stores. 
but not only. Mm -hmm. So it's more like that that the surrounding looks nice and that uh, the shop has the ability to sell your product and, and is yeah. in, in, in the right place in a certain city where the right end consumer is, is visiting. Yeah, I, I, to be honest, I think you have to think big. Um, and well, our dream would be to be in Liberties in London mm -hmm. and um, like to be in, in the, the main department stores in, in these countries. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, so yeah, yeah, because it's easier if you start on the top and, uh, and, and, and build a certain uh, uh, image for your brand than to, to go in, in, in small shops and eventually they cannot sell it because... Uh, because the end consumer is not not, not finding them. Huh? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Andrea, how can you compete with the giant luxury brands who have all the tools and the marketing weapons like, like magazines and fashion shows and stores and shopping shops, especially at these uh, uh, customers you're aiming to work with? Well, that's a good question. Um, I think what makes us different is the story and and this is what what we what we want to um show the the customer as well and how we want to convince them that's actually um cool to to also tell the stories to the next one so it's a more viral um marketing or communication that we are doing than the classical um, mm -hmm. way of communicating because obviously uh, we don't have a marketing budget mm -hmm. because we we want to put the money that we have then back to the communities and and you need you need marketing and communication so everybody who is buying an Avery bag more or less becomes an ambassador mm -hmm. So uh, what, what is your experience in your own store where you have a lot of contact, a direct contact with end consumers? So you learn a lot out of this uh, uh, communication or, or the selling process. And that's the first part of the question. And the second part, are you able to pass that to your wholesale customers? Mm. Good questions. First, um, yes, we have the store since 2013 and it helped us a lot in understanding our customer better. Mm -hmm. um, also, to see how really diverse the customer is. For some people, I would say the majority, it's it has to be a cool product. And then, ah, there's also a story. Okay, that's nice, but I don't really care so much. In the first place, it has to be beautiful. Mm -hmm. So, um, and then there are the people who really are, only looking into eco and social project and then take the product that they like most within this circle of products. Mm -hmm. So it comes from both sides. So the eco people yeah. and the fashion people unite. Yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely. For the retail, um, we always, well, in a small shop, we speak with the owners and tell them the stories and send them materials. Um, and 
in some stores i also went there to give small presentations to the to the the sales personnel but obviously we cannot do that everywhere mm. so there we are a little bit disconnected but at the moment actually just now we are doing interviews with our stores about the customers who is buying the products like our products and um, if they know about the story and how they transmit it so mm -hmm. that we learn how to actually better work with our retail partners so that they can transmit the story easier. Mm -hmm. I think yeah. that's a very, very important point. Yeah, that's interesting. And also, like, I want to come back to your, to your um, design competition. So you got a lot of press for that. Uh, you worked also with a, with, a, with a partner, I think, Cosmopolitan magazine. No, it was actually Harper's Bazaar. Ah, oh, Harper's. Oh, excuse <laughs> me. <laughs> But it's also a, a great magazine. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, how did that work out? Because I think that's a great idea next to the, the, the conventional ways to, to, to get the word out about your brand. You, you had some... Uh, Yeah, a, a big communication partner. Could you yeah. describe a bit like like how that worked and, and if it was positive or negative for your brand? Yeah. So we we did kind of the beta tests in, in Morocco and Ecuador with um, two designers from ESMOD. And then I thought, okay, the response from the ESMOD designers was really, really good. Why not working with the potential we have in the world? And this is how the idea of the Avery Design Experience came along. Mm -hmm. and, and then I just wrote a concept and I was going from marketing department to marketing department to find partners. And finally, we ended up doing a crowdfunding <laughs> end mm -hmm. of last year um, that went positive. And, um, and then... I the crowdfunding found, was for the design uh, experience. Uh, experience. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then and then I went to some magazines to to see if they would be media partner because obviously we needed a platform where we can talk about what we are doing. And Harper's Bazaar was um, amazingly open. And they love the the culture approach. So they say Happy's Bazaar loves culture. And they they really promoted the the competition and also the, the new designers mm -hmm. online and in the magazine. And at the beginning, to be honest, to convince them, their biggest fear was how can you guarantee the quality of the designers? Mm -hmm. That was kind of the only point where they're like, okay, but if now you do this design experience and then if only crappy designers apply, what do we do? Mm -hmm. So, so you had five good designers to say that, then I asked them if they can, if they can no. apply. The thing, no, that, no, we actually didn't do that. Um, that went by itself. Um, what we did is, We created a really, I think, a really cool um, poster and postcard. Mm -hmm. And we really contacted 150 schools all over the world so, to professors, 
send them the concept, Skype with them, um, and try to get the professors on our side. Mm -hmm. And and that worked. We got applications um, from 35 countries. Wow. And, and how many applications you got? Um, nearly 100. Wow. And for the first time, without spending marketing money, I think that's quite good. Wow. And um, it was 62 different fashion schools from which we got um, applications. Okay. And, and, and how was the process to, to choose the right designer at the end? The, um, from the, um, the original applications, we um, picked 30. And yes. from the 30, um, the Harper's Bazaar fashion director picked the 10 finalists. Mm -hmm. And then the 10 finalists went into the jury and they went to a public voting. And one designer was um, chosen through the public yes. and one designer was chosen through the jury. Okay, nice. And is there a website about uh, the design experience? Is it still yeah. up? Yeah, it's still up. It's um, edX.avery.net. Okay. And you can see the two winners. And um, Pam, who is originally from Zimbabwe, um, she is already in Ecuador now. Okay. So I, they, you, yeah. Okay, that would be my next question because I saw that you also went to Ecuador and... Uh, But, but let's stick at the design competition. We will put the, the domain in the show notes. So uh, also like your brand and everything you, you, you tell about will be in the show notes uh, uh, below the podcast. So all the listeners can, can, can check all the details. Yeah? Yeah, great. Okay, so where we left. So the design competitions. So you, you also went to Ecuador. Uh, so how, how come that you, that you added another... An, another artisan group to the to your initial Marrakesh uh, uh, group. Well, the vision was from the beginning that this is a, a, an idea that can be spread all over the world. Mm -hmm. So the thing was, is it South America or Asia which will be the next? <laughs> mm -hmm. And and through uh, another university, we got the contact of this community in Ecuador. Mm -hmm. And so this is how we, we got in touch with them and started working with them. But already at the moment, we are also working in Romania, preparing the next project. And then the next step will be a project in Asia. Okay. And, and are you already, could you already tell the listeners what you are planning in Romania? Which kind of uh, accessories? Or is that still a secret? No, yeah, no. It will be um, hand-woven um, organic um, cotton fabric, mm -hmm. and we will there explore um, the interior accessories market, and we'll do some some funny cushions. Okay. Yeah. And in Asia? Um, Asia is not not fixed yet. Oh, okay. Okay. Wow. That sounds sounds really interesting, and also like with a. With this, uh, with this design uh, contact with, with new talent every season, it's uh, you make sure that you always have yeah fresh ideas. Yeah, well, what what we want to be is a more inclusive and integrative platform mm -hmm. instead of a 
um, single designer brand that yeah. yeah so so I yeah I think that's that's the next generation it's open yeah. source it's it's everything you talk about in IT there's a lot that we would like to replicate yeah I, I, totally I see it in the same way the old business model is which is like a designer sits in his chamber and it has genius ideas and just goes out and and does a fashion show and everybody loves him it's kind of uh, unfortunately not working anymore it, it's more like community and uh, working together and yeah and, and it's it, yeah there's a lot of shared knowledge and mm. co-creation mm. if you use some of these buzzwords yeah. <laughs> uh, i would like to come back to the crowdfunding because yeah. I, i found that interesting could you tell us a bit about the crowdfunding process because a lot of young designers think about starting with a with a crowdfunding and what are your learnings and what are your best practices tips and tricks to be successful with the crowdfunding yeah so that's a very special experience and i put all my points together in a Huffington Post blog mm -hmm. um, because they are really a lot. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, we, we got 20, about 22,000 euros, mm -hmm. um, which is not so much in, in terms, if you look at these huge success stories where people get a million in a day, mm -hmm. but still compared to a lot of crowdfundings that actually never reach their goal, it's, it's not too bad. And and where did you uh, run it on Kickstarter or no? We did it on Indiegogo. Ah, okay. Mm -hmm. um, but it's it's more work than you think. Well, we did a really nice video, and I think that's that's key that mm -hmm. you have a nice video. But then again, you really have to um, activate your your community, yes. and and that's that's not as easy as you would think. Yeah, yeah. I also have the feeling that it gets more and more difficult because it's it's not a new thing anymore, and and it's really crowded out there, especially at Kickstarter. We did this Kickstarter campaign like I mean, one and a half years ago, and I guess it's more difficult today than it was like one and a half years ago. Yeah, and then also now the crowd vesting is very big, mm. so everybody who actually really wants to invest, like or gives more than. 100 euros like rather like the ones who give 500 or a thousand they rather go to the crowd vesting than to the crowdfunding now yeah the difference is that you get shares in the company or you get a, a certain yeah. a, a certain part of the success not just the product like yeah. with the with the crowdfunding mm -hmm. yeah okay yeah but still it was a good experience it was a big buzz which is also good because you really concentrate on marketing efforts and stuff but yeah Mm -hmm. I don't know if I would do it again. <laughs> yeah. So, so, Andrea, that leads me partly to the last question. So uh, our listeners are entrepreneurs and startups who want to grow their, their brand, their ethical brand. And based on your experience, uh, what would you, could you tell us two things they should absolutely avoid? And secondly, two things they need to do. Okay. Um, avoid, don't stick too long on things that you see that they don't work. Mm -hmm. 
And I have more things like how, what, what you should do, like really be good in the numbers and, and, and have a, a really good idea of where you want to go. Mm -hmm. uh, good in the numbers mean make a good financial, so, a solid financial plan. Yes, yeah. that's mm -hmm. what. I, yeah, absolutely. Like, um, if, if you're, if if this is not where you come from, look mm -hmm. for somebody who really knows what he or she is doing um, mm -hmm. in this field. Um, and well, especially in the ethical and social or eco, if you're not a tech startup who has to be um, big in a year, mm -hmm. I would say believe in your if if you really believe in your idea then 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 really go for it um i feel that with avery um we're now finally in our fourth year so for the first two years i only did it part-time mm -hmm. and then since 2013 it's kind of the full-time with employees and stuff like a, a, a company And what I've learned is that at the beginning, everybody was like, oh, yeah, this is Andrea's project. And now they take us serious because we, we, are, we are there for four years now. That's, mm -hmm. that, so, so sticking to your idea and being persistent and, and follow your dream is something that I would also always recommend. Mm -hmm. At the same time, saying not stick to something that doesn't work for too long. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you had that's a fine line yeah the, between being realistic and being yeah. persistent yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and the the th okay we had that what to avoid and and what to do and what i also saw on your website that you have uh, listed a lot of partners and people you work with did yeah. you get a lot of uh, did you ask a lot of people and and i guess you 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 got some help from friends and uh, for 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 different areas yeah um, um, I also think that if you're not, that if you're convinced of your idea, you can share it mm -hmm. and you can also tell it others and, and you don't have to hide it. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, obviously at the beginning you work a lot with friends, but then, um, now we have, we have really partners that, that do it on a, a on a business level. Mm -hmm. And that I didn't know before. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that was really very informative. I, I think uh, we could take a lot of gems out of, out of this discussion. Uh, thanks a lot, Andrea. Thank you. <laughs> so, and uh, perhaps we meet each other in, in, in Berlin at the next fair, or I will visit your shop when I'm, when I'm in Berlin. And uh, um, yeah. Great. Yeah. yeah. All, the, all the best for Arbury. It's, Avery or Avery? Yeah, I say I say Avery, but yeah. then people say Avery. It's okay. Yeah. I, I wish you all the best for all the future project, and uh, uh, we will follow you. And uh, bye bye. Thank you so yeah. much. Bye. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to Green Blue FM. Green Blue FM is brought to you by www.greenblue.com. That's G-R-E-E-N-B-L-U-T.com Please visit our site, click the podcast section where you'll find the show notes with all links and information about this show. 
you have enjoyed listening to our guests and think that others would also benefit from it, we would be extremely grateful if you would take a moment to leave a review for the Green Blue FM podcast at iTunes. We are dedicated helping sustainable businesses grow. If you'd like to learn more about how to build a successful ethical business, just head over to our website where you can subscribe to our free weekly newsletter and get a bunch of good stuff to help you increase your knowledge. Thanks very much for listening. I'm looking forward to having you back for another episode soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Just head over to our website where you can subscribe to our free weekly newsletter and get a bunch of good stuff to help you increase your knowledge. Thanks very much for listening. I'm looking forward to having you back for another episode soon. Take care. Bye-bye.